0: This is a pod. A pod about dogs. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Dog Pod. It's Sophie and Ian, as always. And today we have a guest in. We have Rachel Black. Hey, Rachel. Good morning. Morning, Rachel. So, Rachel has been one of my clients since her dog, Harry, who's a little cavalier, was 11 weeks old and now he's 10 months. So, she's come in to share her story with us. So Rachel, tell us a little bit about Harry.
1: So we have a very interesting journey to share with Harry. Um, over the last eight months, I've certainly learned a lot about dog ownership. Um, we um, decided to add Harry to our family um, at the end of last year. Um, and the choice for us um, to get a Cavalier out of all the dog breeds that are out there um, was based on the fact that um, my family dog was a Cavalier. Um, she passed away two years ago when she was 12, um, and she was just the best dog ever Um, we had an, an amazing experience and she added so much um, so much love to our family Um, so it was a really simple decision while well, you're the crazy dash and lazy lady I'm the crazy <laughs> cavalier lady <laughs> it's true it's true guys <laughs> um, and it's been known that I would shout out there's a Rosie which was my old cavalier's name when we'd ever would see a cavalier walk down the street Um, so yeah the choice to get a cavalier was, was quite straightforward for us um we thought about the decision to add a dog to, to our family long and hard. Um, my husband and I had been together for twelve years and and we felt like it was the right time to to make that addition to our family. So we did at the end of last year. Yeah. Cool.
2: So what in when you first got Harry? Obviously we've got some experience with cavaliers and you know, we we love them and as a family you've got to know them over the years. So
1: our experience with a cavalier um, had been very straightforward previously and um, we'd had no significant behavioral issues and um, while the breed has a lot of health issues we hadn't had any significant health issues with her um, and that did fuel in our search for Harry and um, us to be very careful around what breeder we got him from and we actually contacted the King Charles Cavalier Society of New South Wales um, and the breeder that we got Harry from you know had all the health testing in place she actually didn't advertise the pups whatsoever she only gave them to people that came through the society Um, so we'd kind of done our done our groundwork and our research um, before before we got him Um, and yeah we thought we were all set to go and we had a smooth journey ahead and it didn't quite work out like that.
2: (laughs) And you obviously took the time to take him to puppy school and you know, invest in him. Absolutely. Despite no, you know, going into it, knowing what you were doing, you Ab- still took the time to learn.
1: Absolutely. I'm a typical type A personality. Um, like to have all the information. <laughs> um, so I actually very, very, and within the first week of having Harry, um, I discovered Sophie through Instagram, um, and contacted Sophie. I saw that she had, um, personalized at home puppy programs where she would come to you for a five week period every week. Um, and because of our kind of lifestyle um, and I guess straight away we realised we probably had a lot of questions around having a puppy. We felt like having Sophie come on one-on-one into our, our home um, and each week we could really address in- our individual needs and um, we felt like that was a really good approach. So that's how we started our our kind of training plan mm-hmm. with Harry, with Sophie visit us for the first five weeks. And we
0: discovered that we're neighbours. <laughs> 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 I live two doors down, so it was great for me to just pop over but um yeah we started the training from 11 weeks old and we did went through the puppy program and he did really well so yeah, yeah. They did really well in we the puppy had program. yeah we
1: had a really short i mean those first few weeks are challenging um yeah when you bring a puppy into your home um you suddenly realize you've got to puppy proof everything <laughs> everything's a chew toy <laughs> sleep
2: goes out um, the window
1: well we were yeah. actually really lucky, <laughs> lucky yeah. with harry so his um breeder had done loads of groundwork he came to us crate trained um, which was amazing. So we didn't have kind of that challenge to overcome. And he was already doing a really good job with um, toilet training. So he was holding his bladder from 10, 11 at night to six in the morning. So even in those first few weeks, we weren't actually having to get up with him during the night. We'd pop him in his crate. He'd sleep all night. Um, we'd come and get him at about six o'clock in the morning. And um, we had very, very few accidents. You know, when we spoke to you in those first yeah. five weeks, um, house training wasn't really an issue. He kind of got that right away. Um, so yeah, we had we had a really good... Good start with them.
2: I love that. Like, uh, the, You know, you've done your homework. This is such a great story at the beginning. It's like, yeah. I've done I, I did all my homework. At the I beginning. Did everything right. I uh, brought this dog in and RoboDog arrived and everything was perfect. Fantastic. It's a
1: very Rachel Black story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: where, where did it start to go wrong, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> well, we um, we got kind of through that first month, really. Yeah. And we started to have some health issues with Harry. And that's, um, I guess, the start of... Of the difficult journey with him, Um, he started to, what we thought was vomit quite frequently. Um, We later discovered it wasn't actually, it wasn't vomiting. It was regurgitation. and Harry had acid reflux, just like a baby gets acid reflux, um, which I hadn't heard of in a dog before. Um, But the process to actually identify that that's what it was in itself was quite stressful. Um, Harry, because we were doing frequent trips to the vets and he was so little, he actually started to become vet phobic. Um, so going to the vets was becoming a really stressful, um, kind of trying to do the investigations. Part of that process was the vet wanted to draw blood from him um, to identify if there's anything else going on. Um, and Harry became really needle phobic. So um, he got really upset when they were trying to draw blood to the point that in order to get a blood sample from Harry, he actually had to be sedated and go in for a sedation. Yeah. Um, and at that point, he was he would only have been, you know, that would have been early February. So he's still only a few months old at that stage. So he's still a really little pup um, to put him through that. Um, and in that process of trying to identify the acid reflux, it was really scary for us because the vets were actually saying to us that they thought there was a possibility that it was one of many more, much more serious things that was causing the, the regurgitations. It could have been an enlarged valve in his heart that was pressing on his esophagus. He could have had a restriction, some a physical restriction in his esophagus somewhere that was causing the, the acid reflux and all of those things. You know, some of them, um, you know, surgery might have been the thing that could rectify others. There might not have been if he'd had a large valve in his heart. Um, there's not a huge amount that could have been done about that. So the outcome of it being acid reflux at the end of that process was really good. But the journey to find that out was really stressful. Yeah. Um, he ended up having to do... um what they call a barium meal where you eat food with dye in it and they watch how that food travels down his esophagus and into his stomach. And um, He had multiple x-rays. Um, so we got to the end of that process um, and we kind of had a, a plan in place and medication to give him to to help with the acid reflux. So that was hurdle number one.
2: How long was that process?
1: It was probably four to six weeks from the start of the regurgitations to identifying what it was. That was. That was longer because Harry was vet phobic and needle phobic so if we had so if we had been able to yeah um get blood from them quicker and th- and do more investigations more quickly but the vet was trying not to push them too hard which meant the journey went on longer
0: I remember when you were messaging me saying they thought it was this they thought it was that and it, it's also stressful for Harry but it's also stressful for mm. you guys as well because you know it's not just what it is it actually costs a lot of money if it's this yeah. or if it's that it's going to be you know this much money which is which is hard
1: absolutely well even the investigations when he actually finally ended up in the in the vet hospital and stayed overnight and had all the big tests i think the vet bill at the end of that was three thousand dollars so we were very glad we had pet insurance <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we're very 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 valuable um we've had a vet in the come in in the past come in and say it's how insurance generally isn't used in so many circumstances but as a pet insurance is one of the most commonly used types of insurance so we really do encourage new dog owners and puppy owners to run out there and get insurance and cover your ass
0: yeah but you have to get it from the start because they don't cover pre-existing so as soon as you get a puppy it's best to do your research and, and get it from the start
1: and we were lucky organized rachel had it from
2: day one so that was <laughs> good. good job came, came with that pretty organized insurance of course
1: he did of course he did
2: so at this point he is uh how old so he he's
1: Oh uh, we would have been probably about the four four five month mark at yep. this stage so he's, he was still really little. little yeah um which again added to the stress because while he's ill you're worrying more about dehydration and all these kinds of other things because he's so small um and how much nutrition he's getting when he was regurgitating lots was he getting enough food for all the growth he needed to do um so yeah he was still and, and still in that critical learning phase right yeah. so he's in that really critical phase that we all talk about um but it's really stressful for him because he's having multiple trips to the vets there's different medications coming in at him. we're trying different things with his diet to try and identify if any of those things are a trigger so um in that really critical learning period from him so much in his environment was changing every day
2: yeah and we always say like pain affects behavior just like you and me and uh it affects their mood it affects how they feel and it affects obviously the how they then communicate and even how they receive the information in front of them whether it's from an individual from another dog from a person from just this amount of stuff going on around them they're just less tolerant i know if i've got a bad back or something i'm i'm just a bit of a grumpy bastard that day <laughs> and if that's going on for a few months yeah it tough. adds up and yeah. you can i think well that's what happened isn't it we kind of watched harry uh, go from very comfortable happy to start showing not only physical ailments but signs of stress
1: yeah absolutely and i think as well as a reflection for us at the time we so we started very focused from a behavioral perspective and then we had to focus our time, energy, money on a medical perspective. And um, so, you know, all of our time was invested there. So we also probably took our, our foot off from a behavioural perspective. Um and then there was also challenges because obviously we're using positive reinforcement techniques with them, but we were really restricted with what food and treats we could give them through that period. Um, so we were trying to still manage them behaviorally, but without having food as reward, um, which is challenging with a dog, right?
2: Yeah, and a and good, good point to r- bring up here is Harry's always been well-trained. This her yeah. training is not behavior. You know, so many puppy owners, they'll go, my dog's well-trained. Well, I've met heaps of dogs that are well-trained but don't know how to behave. So mm-hmm. but oh, it wasn't about him not learning how to sit and stay. It's just literally how the stress on his body was affecting the, his ability to read the world around him. And mm-hmm. he was just getting more and more flooded
1: yeah absolutely and i guess the journey didn't stop from there so we kind of went through that first hurdle and we probably after we identified it as acid reflux and had the medications administered to them to control that Um we probably had a three or four week stable period yeah. where we started to see the regurgitations lessening and we were able to start to go back with treats um, and then unfortunately um after about four weeks i was at the park with harry and he decided not to come back when I called him and he jumped headfirst into swamp, <laughs> drank some of the swamp water. And that just triggered a huge um, gastric episode for Harry, which actually went on for about two months. Um, so that was the trigger. So that was the next phase where it got really challenging and very stressful on us as owners, um, because we had when I say two months, I'm not I'm not exaggerating.
0: No, it was two months.
1: We had two months yeah. of I would say almost constant diarrhea with him, with some vomiting in there as well, and we had nights where we were up every twenty minutes, in yeah. seven consecutive nights in a row, um, taking him out to the bathroom, um. So you can imagine what that did mentally to us as a couple without even thinking about what that impact was um, for Harry and all the groundwork we'd set with training and behaviours.
0: I even stayed over because you guys needed a holiday.
1: (laughs) And then we we ran off to New Zealand for four nights.
0: And I stayed over. So I actually experienced what they were experiencing. And it was tough. And it was only four nights for me. But I didn't sleep either and I'm just going wow this is how they're feeling mm. this is what they're going through it's yeah. hard and
1: my husband and I it was it was like having a child we were having the conversations it's my night it's your night we were taking it in shifts and turns and we were having conversations I've got a big presentation at work tomorrow so I really have to sleep tonight so can you do tonight and then okay but on Friday I've got a really big meeting so it was that it's yeah. what I'm not a parent yet, but it's what I imagine being a parent is probably like in those conversations. So we've had a really good training ground now yeah. for <laughs> when we eventually become parents. Um, but in all seriousness, those are the conversations. And mentally, it was exhausting. And the other no. thing that became really mentally exhausting is, you know, friends and family are like, how's Harry doing? Is he better? No oh, he's still not better. No, he's still not better. Have you tried this? Have you, Yeah, yeah, we tried this. We tried that, we tried that. Basically, yeah.
2: have you fixed it yet? Yeah, have you fixed yeah. it? Have
1: you fixed it yet? No, we've still not fixed it. We've still not fixed it. And again, I talk back to, I'm a typey personality. Everything's organized. I know the answers to things. If not, I'll get the, I'll arm myself with the information and figure it out. Um, and it was a huge learning curve for me to, I guess, accept that, Harry wasn't, some things that Harry weren't in my control.
2: And you even mentioned earlier, uh, fair, but uh, about how it was affecting your work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we had, well, I talk about we were up through the night. Obviously, Harry was sick during the day. And as we've mentioned before, I'm incredibly lucky. Sophie, not only was Harry's trainer, but is his walks and um, while we're at work. Um, and Sophie has two doors down, which is amazing <laughs> for us. So she can help us out lots. But we had days where we, we had to leave him and he was sick. And you know, we, we did obviously to the the start, we were, you know, messaging work in the morning saying, Hey, you're going to have to work from home today. Dog's really sick. Well, it got to the point that both my husband and I depleted the dog sick days at work. (laughs) We we couldn't, you know, and we, and we joked, we said, God, if we'd had a baby, at least I would have been on maternity leave. Right. Like it was, and it it is, was to that level um, where we're both, you know, we've both got quite stressful jobs. We were having to make big decisions and really turn up with our brains switched on um and trying to do that after two months of not much sleep um was hard and I you know I had the conversation at work I said to my boss I know I can't text you again and say um the dog's not well I can't come in um so we just we had to leave him some days when he was sick and that's even more stressful because you feel so guilty leaving him and as I say we're very lucky because you were we knew that you could pop in which was amazing um
2: and you've got all these you know you're then affected by stress and the dog's affected by stress and you've got these opinions coming at you and i know at one point you went on social media and yes. were like hey guys like just reaching out for advice from hopefully looking to seek advice and comfort from maybe people that have been in that situation before yeah so i
1: actually when we first got harry there's multiple I guess, dog groups on Facebook, Cavittles Australia, there's thousands and thousands of people in there and there's, there's Cavalier ones as well. Um, I never actively posted in them, but I was definitely reading posts that were in there. Um and what I guess really struck me once I started to delve into these posts a little bit more is people are actively going out there and looking for health advice, training advice, behavior advice for their new puppies or their dogs. Um, and you click on the posts and there can be 100, easily 130 replies sometimes. But these replies are from other dog owners, yeah. not vets, not dog behaviorists, not dog trainers. Um So you might have a post and a question and you might have 15 different opinions on the right approach under it. And also I've noticed that dog owners are really passionate and strong with their opinions. So, you know, I'd look at posts where somebody would say, um, I'm crate training my puppy, but X, Y, Z. And there might be 50 people that have commented under it, shaming that person for, for crate training. And they're not they're not qualified to have you know, they're not qualified to have that opinion. They're allowed to have their own opinion, but they're not a qualified dog trainer or dog behaviorist. Um, so I kind of learned quite quickly that those seem to be really toxic places. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't going to listen to what was happening in any of those spaces. <laughs> um, I would focus on the expert team that I had around me that I knew yeah. well I you're had, had same, to have, I had to have around me. You
2: get the same sort of thing in dog parks, you know, um, you go to the dog park and you get advice from, you know, uh, the local people that have got dogs and stand around in the dog park drinking their coffee not watching their dogs but you know these these are ju- their dog owners and yeah look it's like i guess like a lot like parenting you know yeah. everybody's that's been through it has a very strong opinion on it but it is a very narrow lens you know somebody that yeah. maybe's had dogs all their life they'll, they'll come in and absolutely you know you're entitled to your opinion i get it but um you the ch- The reality is, there is not enough information out there, so you're probably going to be misinformed. I read a post the other day about uh, from Ignore My Dog, uh, the group in New Zealand, and they they were saying like when approaching a dog, um, assume that the dog you, you know it doesn't know you, even if the other even if the owner says yeah it's friendly assume that the owner doesn't know what they're talking about yeah. because the information on dog behavior is just so poor. Yeah. Um, so assume you know nothing and assume your dog know, your dog the owner knows nothing because I've I said this for a long time, but you know, anybody that's had dogs all their life and they're like, I know what I'm doing. I've had dogs all my life. I'm like, good on you, mate. I've had teeth all my life. I'm not a dentist. <laughs> it's like-
1: a good way to put it. It's interesting you see that because I guess I've, had, I've got a few examples I can share of being in those environments where dog owners are. But one thing that sprang to mind there is, and we haven't got to this yet, but as part of the behavior thing, Harry's actually become a bit dog reactive in terms of he sees a dog walking down the street. He gets really overexcited. And something really interesting that I've noticed and a technique we're using on the guidance um, of both of you is, at the moment we're just trying to remove him from those situations so if I see a dog coming down the street towards him I'll cross the road so that Harry doesn't end up going head to head with that dog and there's been a few instances where it's been a big dog and the owner takes offence because they think I'm scared because Harry's a small dog. It's a little cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> the, the owner thinks I'm pulling Harry away because, oh God, there's a big dog. He might hurt Harry. And I've actually had, a, there's a guy running past me. He's like, my dog's really friendly. I was like, no, 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 it's not your dog. My dog, my dog's going to get really excited at seeing your dog. And I don't want that stress on him. Um, so it's just, it's it's such a messy world sometimes. And oh, yeah. we, um, I even think back to the first time we took Harry to the dog beach. And he was, this was before all of his health issues had started when we were in our nice honeymoon phase where he was sleeping all night and everything <laughs> was, was Rosie, dog. Robo dog. He was robo dog. We took him to the dog beach for the first time. He was tiny and um, this dog owner came over and she was very much kind of the, the queen of the dog beach. She was clearly there every day and knew all the dogs and knew all the owners and this was her domain. And so she, she identified that there was a new dog at the dog beach and thought she should come over and introduce herself. Um, so she came over to us and and started talking to us and and within about thirty seconds, out of nowhere, I felt the need to express her opinion around crate training. Mm-hmm. So very strongly said, "Well, I hope you're not keeping him in a crate because it's so
2: cruel." <laughs> She'd been triggered that day clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: God, it was during the Christmas break. Everyone was nice and <laughs> chill, but um, and my husband and I just were in a bit of shock and just stared at each other and we didn't actually respond to her afterwards i was like i should have responded um but was it wasn't worth it but that's just one example another another time i took harry for a walk and he was in a in a reactive situation reactive mind frame i had him on lead and there was other dogs around him that were off lead and that was stressing harry so he was crying and a dog dog owner came up to me can you not just let him off (laughs) Well, it's not really the solution here. If I'm, just... that's
2: exactly the frame of mind. We do not want to let off lead. He's yeah, going no, bananas. No. You know what? Let's reward that. You're going to create an absolute bloody idiot.
1: <laughs> but the the people are trying to shame you almost, right? Yeah, like you're in the, you're I'm in situations and I'm trying to make the best decisions for Harry with the knowledge that I have and the knowledge about him and the, the information you guys have armed me with. Um but yet other people who think they're experts about my dog, that they don't know his 10 month story, um, come and express their opinion. And that can be really, I've walked out of dog parks, out of dog beaches, really upset, um, because it's stressful for me anyway, right? I don't wanna have a dog that's crying when he sees another dog. Um, Nobody wants that.
0: You don't need people telling you Mm -hmm. you're doing a bad job as well, because you're not, you're doing the best thing that you can do. And I think think it's really hard because everyone can have a dog. And everyone thinks they know about dog behavior and dog training, but there's so much more that people don't know. And there's so much, as we said, you know, misleading information out there and Dr. Google doesn't always have all the best answers
2: either.
1: Definitely doesn't.
2: <laughs> no, and you know, for, you know, just to elaborate on one of the points Rachel said a minute ago with, about how just walk the dog away. What we're actually trying to do in that moment is teach Harry an alternative behavior, a socially appropriate behavior. He's losing his shit. He's losing his mind. He's overstimulated. At that moment, what we're actually doing is going, hey, you'll, you'll feel better if you just turn the other cheek and walk away. Yeah. Taking the dog in to, into a dog into that scenario, and we talked about it in the previous episode with socializing, Harry's overstimulated. He's, if he goes up to the dog, he's going to get real negative feedback because he is not going to be greeted well by that individual. Why would that individual want Harry in his face? the other thing is harry's because he's overstimulated any feedback he gets he can't read yeah he can't hear it so we're teaching socially appropriate behaviors so this is where that misconception of socializing your puppy is just like hey mate just run around be a goose play that goes back into that whole exercise thing where you're trying to tie your dog out so much Mm -hmm. that they crash and hopefully they sleep deep enough that they're well behaved i that's a whole nother whole nother episode but that's 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 what you're up against when you're actually just teaching socially appropriate behaviors your dog's not broken and you're not broken because you're not throwing it in the deep end you're actually just being quite normal
0: yeah i think we've both had this situation too i've had it a few times where i'll be walking and he'll be losing it to try and get to the other dog and crying and whining and the other owner with the dog will be like oh just let them meet they need to just meet I'm like no they don't need to just meet and then it, it just you try and walk away and then harry's crying and he's in the worst frame of mind yeah the
2: dogs can see each other from a long way away yeah, yeah.
1: and the <laughs> other the other i guess challenge and absolutely i've had that circumstance so many times that the other owner thinks the fix is to put their let their dog come to Say harry hi. yeah Which is hard. Um, (laughs) But the other challenge is, while we're trying to do that technique where we avoid those social interactions until Harry's in a mind frame that he can handle and respond appropriately, is other dogs being off-lead. So while we can control Harry on-lead, if another dog's off-lead, then obviously that's much harder for us to control and that dog can come straight up to Harry. And I'm pleased to report we had that situation this morning and Harry responded very appropriately (laughs) and was a very social dog. Um, But... You know, probably four or six weeks ago, um, if we had had a dog off lead run up to Harry, that wouldn't have been the outcome. You did have one. Remember you called me? Oh, he actually kind of attacked Harry and I was crying. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I was taking Harry to the vet to have a procedure done. So I was trying to have a really calm walk with him just to tire him out a little bit before we went to the vet. Because it's a whole process now, taking Harry to the vet, it's yeah. not just pop to the vet with Harry. No. <laughs> um and I was walking him in what we collectively have identified as a nice space, a nice safe environment. Sorry for Harry. Um, it's in a few streets where we live; they're relatively quiet streets. They're not through roads, um, and they're long and straight, so I've got a good sightline in terms of seeing a dog approaching and can avoid the situation if I need to. Um, and in this circumstance, we were turning a corner, and um, a dog owner had their dog. Off late. Um, in hindsight, I saw I saw up in a di- saw them up in the distance and he did move his dog away as he saw me coming. So I probably should have done a quick turnaround and gone the other direction, thinking he doesn't want his dog near Harry. But as I walked up, I didn't know they were then round that corner. Um, and yeah, the dog jumped on Harry and attacked him. Um, and the owner was really rude to me. So I was, you know, I've already got a dog with some behavioural issues. Um, So to have another dog jump on him and attack him is not ideal. Um, And I physically, actually, it was so severe I couldn't get between the dogs. Um, The other owner pulled his dog off Harry. I was really upset. And I said to him, you can't have a dog that behaves like that off lead. Because he didn't have him on lead.
2: Which is correct.
1: Um, (laughs) uh, When I say I said that, I might have been screaming at across the road.
2: (laughs) The little feisty Scott in you comes out.
1: I was screaming. I was screaming. The little feisty Scott came out. The protective mama bear came out. Um, And I was screaming at him. And he was really rude. Didn't apologize. Didn't check to see if Harry's okay. Turned his back on me and crossed the road. And, you know, told me to calm down. Nobody's hurt. Um, And I was saying, you don't even know that. You've not even checked to see if my dog's hurt. You don't know if my dog's hurt or not. And even if he's not physically hurt, there's psychological damage that might have come from this for Harry, given the mind frame he's in. Um, and I was really, I was really upset. I phoned my husband hysterically crying. I think he thought something really bad had happened. I called you crying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luckily, we were on our way to the vets and the procedure Harry was getting, we were planning um to give him a Valium anyway, and we think that the effects of the Valium might have knocked out the memory of that instance for Harry. Um, so that happened to be a good a good circumstance there. But you know, it just shows. And I had to send another circumstance um, where another dog owner had their dog off late and. They probably got a bit of a lesson. I didn't mean for them to get a lesson, but same deal. Um, they were coming down the street towards me. Their dog was off lead. I wanted to remove Harry from the situation. So I actually um, crossed, went to cross the road in between two parked cars. I had my back and I didn't realize that the other dog had followed me and was about to run onto the road after us. Now, I would never intentionally, obviously, do that. But the other owner got a real fright and was screaming. And obviously, as soon as I realized, I stopped so that the dog wouldn't follow Harry and I onto the road.
2: But it compromises everybody it compromises you because you're trying to look after your dog and for the best needs of your dog you're trying to get it away it compromises that dog because it gets flattened potentially it compromises the owner and it can say the driver yeah yeah. absolutely definitely it's awful i mean i very strong opinion on walking dogs off lead and on the streets when somebody says oh he's never run off i go yet yeah, Because I walked my dog off lead for five, six years uh, back in England. And she walked by my side, not because she was well trained. She had separation anxiety. But <laughs> she was walking next to me. I thought she was well trained at the time because I knew nothing. Um, <laughs> and she walked next to me for years and years and years. And then she runs off in front of me because she saw my dad on the other side of the road. She got happy. Yeah. that was a reason. And I panicked and I screamed, sit the- down. And she did, thank God, because then a truck whipped in front of her. I screamed so loud that when that truck went past, I didn't even know it was my dad on the other side of the road. I just saw someone. And um, he is basically curled up in a ball uh, because I screamed so loud. He's like, I thought I was being attacked. Um, I just panicked.
1: But you never know what the trigger is going to be, right? Like there there could be a noise that that dog has never heard in their life before. And so it causes a behavior that they wouldn't normally normally do.
0: I've also um, come out of a driveway before and nearly hit a dog. That was off lead way in front of their owner mm. and I had to stop putting on the brakes and I was like, oh my God. And then the owner just walks past. I was like, are you kidding me? I just nearly killed your dog.
2: What shits me as well is when people like that. Sorry, I know it's I'm going off topic again. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> the When the owner starts uh, correcting the dog for not behaving appropriately when it's off lead, put it on a bloody lead and you don't have to shout at it. Like, it's not rocket science, mate. Put Uh, it on a lead. And then when they go, oh, well, he doesn't walk well on lead, drain it. Invest some time and effort into your dog, you lazy bastard.
0: I think you said to me as well, um, maybe it was ignore your dog or something. Uh, Or somebody said your lead's like a seatbelt. Yeah, yeah.
2: Leashes save lives. Yeah, leashes um, save lives. That's it. Rose Bay Vet, they put it up with their, uh, uh, one of the pictures on Facebook. And it's absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, they do. So, that
2: it. car veers off the road so that, okay, and there's passengers in it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, we, we, that's, our whole topic. <laughs> that's a
0: whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to Harry. Okay, where did we get to with Harry? So, um, he had the four to six weeks of gastro.
1: Yes. So, we actually um, kind of got to a little bit of a crisis point, I would say. Yep. Um we just didn't really know where to go when we were the vets that we were um, working with at the time. Um, unfortunately, every time we visited, we were seeing a different vet. Yeah. And it was much more a case of treating the symptoms on that occasion than actually trying to get to the root of the cause of, yeah. of why he was being sick so frequently. Um, they were also in the practice of using drugs pretty heavily on him. So every time we would go in, he would get an injection. And we've been told now that this particular injection is a very sore one for a dog to receive it really stings um harry would cry his heart out every time and i mean like the needles out and three minutes later he's still walking around the room crying and this vet had said to us oh he's a big sook he's you know so scared um, and we've learned since then from other vets that it's actually just a really 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 sore needle for a dog to have and he's had that needle six or seven times which then hasn't helped obviously with
2: his making quite needle phobic very quickly
1: association with the vet um yeah. So yeah, we were just in this in this cycle of not moving forward and yeah. um, not getting any better. And I guess, and like we've said already, um, the behaviour stuff was starting to creep in at that point too, because he was so sick, we were focusing on the on the medical things. And we probably were also by that point not in a great mind frame to we were surviving <laughs> as stock yeah. owners. Thinking, what the hell did we do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think then um, you guys sort of reached out to me again. I walk Harry nearly every day. Um, and then I went, oh, not really sure where to go from here. I need some help. So, I contacted Ian and I said, Ian, can we all sit down and, and have a chat with them? Because I'm not sure where to go from here.
2: Well, yeah. Like, um, as somebody that works with Sophie all the time, you know, I knew about Harry. Um, I'd never met you uh, before this point and But I was aware of Harry because... Harry is uh, a case that there it was just throwing spanners in the works and curveballs and nobody nobody could see what was coming and I could from what I could hear from Sophie's perspective was how much the dog was struggling how it's just one thing after another how much the owners were struggling And, and what was starting to happen what I could see was Sophie literally just going oh man this is so much to take on and i was trying to offer advice from from afar without knowing the scenario but it got to a point where i think so well sophie went can we like you say can we get together and can you meet the dog meet parents um and you know it's it's i've mentored you for a couple of years now so i was happy to um and I sat down and the first thing I could see was everybody was exhausted. <laughs> I yeah. think
1: we all had a... The eye really bags were cry. real. The <laughs> eye bags were real. And I actually have... To be totally transparent, the day before we met, I actually messaged Sophie and said, I don't think we're in a headspace to do this meeting. Like, we're we're broke. Like, I remember I was at work the day before. Ewan had had to cancel plans. He had to stay home with Harry because Harry had been really sick that day. And we we're like, oh, we're going to have to take him to the hospital. Like, he was, you know, he was sick. We were drained and I actually said to you I don't think we can meet with you and Ian I don't think we're in the headspace and you said you actually and I'm really glad you did you pushed back and said Rach I think I know you're not don't bring Harry this is about we want to help you we really want to help you we can see how much you're struggling and I promise you you know let's just have a coffee we can we can just have a coffee and we'll just have a chat um and I'm glad you dead push us to do that <laughs> yeah.
2: it's always so um necessary i think if you're if you're struggling um you've got such a narrow scope on it you start to focus in on that problem you really hone in on the issue uh and the immediate issue and you become quite reflexive um whereas i it sounds terrible but like it's not my dog it, i have got years of experience of just actually being able to zoom out take a wider lens and see the bigger picture and um the first thing i did i think guys was actually say give yourselves a break actually give yourselves a break and go and uh yeah like there are times when you actually just need to go for a walk without harry and enjoy your relationship um it was just actually just a bit of self-love and a bit of self-care and this is, nobody's winning if we just carry on trying to grind through this.
1: And yeah. I cried and Sophie cried. Yeah. Yeah, we were in public. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian's just like, oh uh-uh. no. <laughs> but really, that was six months of heightened emotion, really, yeah. coming to a head and us slogging and slogging and slogging and just not getting anywhere with them.
0: And I feel like Even though Harry's not mine, like I care about him so much. And I think you said to me, I'm his third
1: parent. You are his third parent. (laughs) Because honestly, uh, while you walk him every day, I probably text you four times a day also giving you updates on how he's doing. Oh, he did this. We met a dog and he he did this or he didn't do this and he's not had diarrhea today and he ate all his breakfast and like, yeah, and I love that. There's like, very, there's very little that you don't know about.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i really, really care about him. But I'm we're very do. lucky that we found someone that cares, about, you know, it's not, this isn't just a <gasps> job for you. Cry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's it. And, you know, everybody uh, is coming from a point of view of, oh, we we just need to get this right, but you can't look after anything if you're not looking after yourself. And, um, even when I looked at it, I went, "Jesus Christ, this is a hell of a lot to take on um, and one of the things one of the things i reasons why I told you to zoom out and take, give yourself a break was th- there weren't actually any immediate solutions there there wasn't a case of we can magically fix the fix this um what I was doing as much as I was trying to help you as well, I was buying myself time. <laughs> I was going right, i need some I need to reflect here, and I referred you to a vet um to actually get a different medical perspective um dr matt and he the reason being is because you know there are definitely behavior issues but there's only so much you could do at the time you know we were still struggling to give him food rewards um there's only so much training could do and the what i could see from a medical perspective was the symptom was being treated but we didn't know why and so I treat behavior the same way. There's no point in treating the symptom. There's no, this happening because there's a cause. And at this, at this point, when I met you, I had no idea what was going on physically with him. Nobody did. So go and get another medical opinion. And um, this is where now we've got the team of yourself, Sophie, Matt, and myself. And collectively, we don't actually make a decision for Harry, really, a big one, without consulting all four of us oh, yeah. Hmm.
1: and i actually posted the other day about the healthy dog pod and i <laughs> tagged you guys and said you know this harry's team's podcast is live <laughs> it takes an army it takes a village like it, it, it really with him it has taken and and you're right we have since that time working with matt um we've made some significant decisions about how we're going to move forward with harry with his health and his behavior and it has been a collective decision across everyone is this the right plan for harry and even actually out with our bubble. I know that Matt's then reached out to other vet behaviorists. Mm. Um, so it's gone wider than that. So there might actually be six expert opinions gone into a medical decision for Harry. And I think what's been great for us about working with Matt, I guess lots of things have been great about working with Matt. But <laughs> um, one of them is I we now, you know, we've always had real investment from a, a training and a behavioral perspective with having you guys on our team. But from a medical perspective, we now have one vet that is really invested in Harry, that knows the whole story, that is looking at the bigger picture, um, and in moments of need is is there for us. There was an, an instance um, where Harry had di- a bout of diarrhea, um, maybe six or eight weeks ago, and it was on a Friday afternoon, and at the time we were doing, um, we were transitioning Harry onto a new diet with the guidance of Matt. So I'd called the practice and Matt was in consultations back to back all, back all afternoon. So the nurses had been really transparent and said, look, he's in consultations all afternoon. We're probably not going to get him to talk to you until Monday. And I said, that's fine. I just really wanted guidance on how to approach his diet over, over the weekend, given where we're at. And they said, no problem. We would kind of normally, our recommendation is X, Y, Z. We'll try and get Matt to call you on Monday. And um, seven o'clock that night, my phone rang and it was Matt. He'd finished his long day of consultations. He'd seen that I'd phoned and he'd taken the time. And he actually not only called me once, twice, we had a conversation and then he reflected and he called me back again because his approach is very much like that. We'll be in a consultation with him and he'll say, I want to think about this. I'd, let me think about this. And then he'll call us later or he'll send us an email later with his decision. Um, and that gives you so much confidence as an owner, that gives yeah. you a huge amount of confidence.
2: Yeah, and that's the way it should be seen. I know that um, some people in the in there when they're struggling, they're going to go. I need an immediate fix. Um, what we're doing is not. We're aware that there isn't one, and so we're buy- yeah. buying ourselves time to actually think and go. Look, if you take a minute, and this is what we did with like with you in terms of going and rests and look after yourself, and we. Later on, a few weeks later, we did a training session, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And we actually taught you how to do exactly the same with Harry. Harry was going out and getting overstimulated. So rather than keep on flooding him, well, we stripped it back and went, well, this is the world that he can cope with. Let's make him very comfortable, get him to learn how to behave appropriately within this world, and then we grow it gradually. There's no handbook. And um, I think, uh, again, you said it before we were talking today uh, about – don't make comparisons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So two, I guess, two big talking points out of that is yeah. One one thing that I was doing a lot in this process of having a puppy is obviously you you know we had friends that got puppies around the same time. Um, I met people through Harry who had just got puppies, and you compare. You naturally compare. You know, it's like when, when, when we all have kids. and They say, you know, when did they first take their first steps? How old were they? When did yeah. they do this? When did they do that? Um, and I had to learn to stop doing that because I was driving myself insane because I was thinking, look at that puppy. It's only gone to the vet for its vaccinations and its checkups, So it's maybe been to the vet two or three times. We've been to the vet with Harry twice a week for the last six weeks. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and I was just driving myself absolutely insane thinking you can't think like that and you know something that i've spoken to you and i've spoken to matt about and matt often says to me is that while we've had a really challenging start with harry it doesn't mean it's always going to be like this Mm -hmm. you know we're hopefully going to have harry in our lives for 12 years let's say and yeah we might have had a really difficult first 12 months um but it doesn't mean that the rest of his journey is going to look like this. And and another thing that Matt said to me, actually just this week when I was having a call with them is we're currently doing a gut rehab program with Harry um, to try and fix his gut. And he said, you know, it's amazing. We're doing this with Harry at eight months. Well, we started at eight months old, at eight months old. I see dogs at 10 and think, God, I wish I had been able to do mm-hmm. this with them when they were yeah. younger. So we're really investing in them now. Um, hopefully with you know the fact that it won't always always be like this and maybe you know these people have had a really easy start not that I want them to but they might face challenges further down the line so
2: well that happens every day we get calls for dogs of all ages and uh vets see dogs of all ages and um yeah that that's why we try and promote preventative care because uh if you can get that right it it of course there's no guarantees but it makes Everything a lot better and sets solid foundations.
1: And we learned a lot around um from Matt how his gut health was affecting his behaviour. You know, Harry with Harry being so sick, really it's inflammation and irritation, you know, in his gut. And actually the gut has a lot to do with the brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we and we've seen we've seen the positive impact of um well, Harry was sick yesterday. I'm very sad about that. We've he's actually we've actually had a six week period now when he's not been sick. And the behavioural improvements that we've seen in that period of stabilization with his gut have been huge because as his gut's calmed, his mind is able to be coming out of that red zone where he couldn't receive information, he couldn't make any decisions, and um, he's been coming back into a level that he can listen and respond appropriately to us still got a long way to go but
0: <laughs> but at the moment yeah we're starting to well. see
1: we're starting to see progress and then yeah. the, the other point i was going to talk to is you know you mentioned there about us stripping his environment back and that was huge not just for harry but for us because i was putting a lot of social pressure on myself you know i pictured having a dog that i'd take to coffee on saturday morning and i'd meet my friends at the park for a walk and you know all the th- all these things i thought i would do as a dog owner and actually Harry's not in a place that we can do any of those things for him and it's, he's not enjoying it. And it's super stressful for us when we try and put him into those situations. Um, but it's actually been a journey trying to educate all the people around us too. Cause we've got friends that are like, Oh, just bring Harry, just bring it. I'm like, no, really it's not good for him. Oh, we will be fine. No, really. You know, it's, you know, and, and people do it from a good place, right? Absolutely. No, it's all, it's all good intentions. Um, I made really good friends with um, Sophie, Callie's mum. And, and when Harry was little and before all of his um, health and behavioural issues, um, Sophie and I were really enjoying going for walks together and the puppies would play and have a great time. And this is when Harry could respond appropriately. And, um, and you know, she always missed Callie and I are missing you. And I'm like, yep, as soon as Harry's in a mind frame where we can walk with you again, we will walk with you again. But, at the moment, the more he's in these situations and he doesn't respond appropriately, he's learning that he's learning that response. Um, and I've actually got—I so I, message my husband a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "It's so nice now, I can actually enjoy walking him because I'm walking him in a safe environment for both of us." Yeah,
2: yeah neither of your <laughs> amygdalas are firing.
1: So we can—I'm <laughs> in—I'm in control. Harry's in control, and I—I I love walking. That was a big part of getting a dog for me. I love. And I had visions of me powering along the coastal path to Bronte, you know, every weekend with Harry. Harry's <laughs> never been on the coastal path to Bronte. I was say. That would blow his <laughs> not, mind. Not yet. Not that yet. Would blow, he's literally not been on there. Would blow his mind. But you know, my husband said to me, he's like, how long is it since you walked on the coastal path to Bronte? I was like, probably December when we got Harry. Haven't been there since. <laughs> um, but while I've had to change my expectation of dog ownership at the moment, I am still now getting a lot of joy out of, you know, walking him and also seeing some incremental improvements. Um, The smallest wins, you know, we had a good interaction with a dog this morning and I text like three people, we just met a dog and Harry didn't get upset and he listened and he listened to me when I said to go and um, that feels like a huge, huge win.
0: Yeah. It's all the little wins. We always try and focus on the little wins with Harry, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. It's been tough. It's been a tough journey, and I've seen from the start how you guys have been, and and to now, and it's some big changes with him. Yeah, absolutely. It's been good.
2: You know, it was a really testing relationship, and and no, one of the things that I think uh, dog owners fall trap of is continuing trying to test themselves and their dogs. Like, who's winning there? You know, like take a step back and go. I'm not enjoying this. My dog's not enjoying this. There's nobody holding a gun to my head saying, I need to go and do it this way.
0: But there's that social pressure. That's what PA, I mean. People like,
2: yeah.
1: oh, you need to take your dog to the cafe. and You mm. need to take your dog to the dog park. It's like, is your dog enjoying it? Probably not. Or just to bring him. Because people want, you know, friends are like, just bring Harry. We want to see him. And mm. and you have to be the big bad wolf that says, oh, actually, it's not good for Harry. And people don't, If you're if you're talking to someone that's not, being an owner of a dog with behavioral issues, they don't really understand.
2: Well, didn't see that coming. Rather than just plowing on regardless of your own agenda, listen to the dog um, and pay attention because behavior doesn't move linearly.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I know there'll be challenges for, you know, we're, it's, Harry is still very much a work in progress. We've got lots of work <laughs> still to do with him. Um, you know, we're on a good trajectory now. We've got a really good team around us um that's supporting us um but there's still there's still a lot of work to do and i know that there'll be changes in harry's life over you know there'll be changes in our life and we're gonna have to approach all of those really carefully because harry is very change sensitive (laughs) (laughs) so i dread to think about you know when we move house or when we start a family poor little harry's mind is going to be blown um i did say that to my husband yesterday he sent me an instagram story of somebody with um a newborn baby that was a week old and their cavalier sit sleeping peacefully next them. i said oh that won't be harry
2: <laughs> yes it will harry. we've got this, this we've is, got,
1: this. We've this, got is this this is where we come in you
2: know we one of the things that i think you've definitely learned i mean as much as life does throw you curveballs is um that preventative care it sets you up for a win and if you can anticipate the change even better um and things like that you know Babies, they do take nine months. Um, so, we do have nine months to, <laughs> to, to, be, to yeah. be ready. So, um, you know, all of these things we can definitely get on top of. It's just uh, a case of we we know our dog is ch- sensitive to change and um, we need to make sure that we don't flood him.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
2: Right, guys. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming thank in. You thank you
1: Thank so you for having me. Much. Thank you for letting me share Harry's story.
2: It's no. a great story. Um, and... You know, we, we we love working with you and working with him. I know that it's, uh, and Matt will just uh, preach to this as well. You know, it's a test. It's challenged us, me and Matt. Um,
0: and me too. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, we, we've said it um, multiple times now. We're all going to learn from this. We don't have all the answers between us. And um, that's why there's, we've got so many opinions on board. And we are all learning as we're going. You know, the and this is where the dog owners you did not stand a chance mate. Um,
1: <laughs> well, if the experts are learning.
2: <laughs> that's it.
1: I am a I'm a marketing manager not a dog expert.
2: <laughs> not a dentist. Um yeah, <laughs> um, no, thank you Rachel for coming in. Thank you. Um and that's going to wrap it up guys. If you want to hear um if you want any more feedback on this, uh join the community.
0: If you we'll- want to follow Harry at bondo, cav, bondo underscore Cav
2: on Instagram. Yep, yep. I'm sorry, and I had um, to throw that in there. <laughs> and what we'll do, guys, is uh, when we will be available to talk about this all week in the community. Please post your questions, and we will answer as many as possible. And because uh, I'm sure there's other people going out there, going out there with very similar stories and situations.
1: And stick in. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I promise. Yes.
2: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot, and we will see you next week. And remember. A healthy dog's a happy dog. Woo! And that was the point. The healthy.